0: Good afternoon and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, Macalester College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We have a great guest here on our Bicycle Hour. Bonnie Gallon is here and uh, we are going to talk all about ultra endurance cycling. Bonnie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun uh, talking with you about this stuff. I am fascinated by you ultra-endurance people. You're a completely different species. So I hope you can teach me what it's like to suffer on some of these experiences let's do it all right well before we get into the too much of that we want to make sure we start and tell people all about the velodrome news that's going on around the world of course the world championships are coming up very soon and we've got a very strong u.s team uh, in track cycling this year for our women's team pursuit uh individual pursuit very likely to get gold medals in both of those outings um, and we've got a really strong uh madison team and on the men's side as well as omnium uh racing on the women's side so lots of really exciting stuff uh, going on on the track uh, and then more locally uh, the Minnesota Cycling Center is having a hearing for its legislation on Tuesday this coming Tuesday at 8 a.m. Uh, and you can find out more information on the uh, Facebook page of the Minnesota Cycling Center uh, we need a bunch of people to pack the room uh, to show the enthusiasm we have to the legislature uh, so that they will hopefully share some of the uh, surplus that the state is likely to have um, with the effort to build a new velodrome so, uh, Bonnie, let's let's kind of go back to the beginning. How long have you been doing ultra endu- endurance type cycling?
1: Yeah, so uh, in two thousand and twelve is actually when I got started. Uh, if you were to pack all the time that I've been doing endurance, you know, and ultra things, it probably equals about. Three Months. <laughs> Just, you know, some uh, uh, unexpected spaces between yep. and racing, but I, I started in 2012 uh, with uh, the Luton 99ers. Okay. The very first race right out of the shoot. I've only been, uh, only been on a bike for about three months. Wow. Uh, yeah. And,
0: uh, you know, 100 miles seemed like a good idea.
1: It seemed like a great idea at the time. Wow. One of the things that uh, I take pleasure in is not knowing what I'm up against till I get out there. <laughs> so, okay. But yeah, and I went on to. Uh,
0: i the Leadville 100 the next month. Wow. So, yeah. Boy, you dove into the deep end. I did, yeah. That's amazing. Did he must die? Yeah. So obviously you didn't you you did well enough at the Looson 99 or you felt good enough that going in and doing 100 miles of Leadville is, was was acceptable.
1: Yeah. Well, I was nervous, you know. I'm sure. I finished that year my first time in just over 10 hours. Uh, and I, and it was obviously a lot less climbing than my bill, you know, but, uh, from just from the get go, ever since I've, you know, got on a bicycle, I've always, you know, believed, you know what, anything's possible. Hmm. I tell yourself no now, right. let yourself, let your body, let everything tell you the answer then. So.
0: Wow. And so w- was mountain biking your first uh, bike discipline?
1: No, actually, uh, in 2008, I started uh, in triathlon. I heard about triathlon on an airplane coming back from New York, and I ended up, again, about three months of training, did my first triathlon, uh, and I, and my first bike was actually this rickety old. $75 bike I bought maybe in 2005 from Target right off the shelf. Wow. I hadn't, hadn't even, like, oiled the chain or pumped up the tires, but I still raced it. I did the Buffalo Triathlon that year. Okay. Uh, so I got out there, I was blown away. You know, I was like, what is that? You know, yeah. these discs and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy smokes, really? That's pretty astounding. So...
2: Yeah, that's how I started.
0: Wow! And so, had you been a runner or endurance athlete of any kind prior to that, or did was you just decided that this was the thing that you wanted to try?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, prior to that, I was more into like just uh, overall fitness. You know, the early '90s, I did some bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. and powerlifting, and but when I was you know on that uh, flight from New York, uh, my business partner was just talking about Ironman, and you know, I actually thought he was talking about Ironman, that like that strength competition. Yeah, right. So I was like, wait, because he was so you know like really lean and yeah. Like, so, yeah.
0: You don't look like a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so he was like, no, no, you know, swim, bike, run. And it was just so intriguing. I was like, wow, you get, you know, multi-sport? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so fun. That sounds so great, you know, to do different disciplines back to back.
0: And so well, what are your memories from that first Buffalo Triathlon? What are some of the things that stand out?
1: <laughs> I was gassed.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got there again. I was blown away by the bikes. Like, I, I've never seen anything like those bicycles. And uh, I didn't know till I was in the water. I'd never done an open water swim. Mm. So I, I had just trained, you know, at the Lifetime Fitness pool in, indoors. So when I got in the water, I discovered I'm afraid of open water swims. Oh my gosh! I ended up swimming my fastest time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Get
1: out of the water. I think I i don't think i've ever seen that fast you know? uh, yeah i was just like oh, this is really fantastic you know there was like the energy was there that i liked and uh there was some competitiveness there mm-hmm. that i actually really enjoyed um and it was actually at that race that i discovered you know and we'll get to that later obviously that i had a lung disease mm-hmm. in the very first race but wow. i had a great time you know and i don't even know what i placed but i signed up for a race uh the next week and mm-hmm. then I went on and did another race actually had a podium finish so i was like
0: hey, wow that was that's fantastic so obviously you've got some amount of natural ability to go fast over long periods of time something <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, to, to podium in your you know one of your earliest races that's a pretty impressive impressive feat um and so as you think about you know your development as a an ultra endurance athlete what were some of the keys to success for you getting into those early races and being and being good yeah.
1: you know so much of it, it's just like life, right? It's about overcoming fear. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of times we see something like, Man, I'd love to try that." You know, whatever that might be, it might be something at uh, an academic level, it might be something at a work level, or, mm-hmm. you know, at a sports level. Uh, but we're intimidated because we don't know right. about those things, and so, and maybe we don't have the proper network to, to find out. So. For me, if I don't know, I'm either going to I've perfected research because back then I didn't know anything about research. I uh-huh. didn't. So now I jump in, and then as I'm jumping in, I'm quickly doing the research. Okay? So it's a lot about uh, just mentality, you know, just try to overcome your fears. You know, and that's what courage is, right? Courage is not the absence of fear courage is doing something in spite of fear bravery mm-hmm. however is doing something without fear i'm not brave so I'm
0: <laughs> and so as you thought about you know that that lute's in 99er for the first time what were some of the things that you were unsure of or afraid of going in
1: dying you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember distinctly you know uh i had gotten out of the icu and i had been out of hospital for about six six months and uh, I was in the car driving there and my, my knees were actually shaking I was so afraid you know? hmm. like, I was asking myself what are you afraid of yeah you know? and uh, I felt like it you know, I felt like I'm afraid I'm gonna die you know and it really it's I, I'm afraid of the unknown I've never done this before sure you know, that's really what it's
0: yeah about. and so you were in the ICU because of that lung disease that you that you had discovered is that what what led you there
1: yeah right. Yeah, absolutely. So it started off in actually 2009, I was mm-hmm. diagnosed for a year and a half. Really? And uh, by the time I got into the ICU, um, uh, it was so severe that they had like I, they had taken out part of my intestines. You know, oh my I gosh. My bags, my, I had full hysterectomy, and uh, my lungs were just really, really in bad shape. And it, this bacteria, they hadn't seen it in 200 years in Minnesota, and it got wow. back in yeah, it. It just, uh, just messed up everything, you know? So, Man. Yeah.
0: Is there any indication of how you contracted that?
1: It's non-communicable. Uh, so they're really astounded. They can't figure out how I got it. Even you know, hmm. when I was over in a third world country, because hmm. uh, I had actually uh, ingested some water, some untreated water, that hmm. might come from that. Or, uh, you know, they don't even know. They, to this day, they don't know.
0: Wow. And, and yet you were a few months r- removed from being in the hospital, and you said, hey, let me ride for 100 miles. <laughs>
2: Let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> you like know,
0: life short, Right. And, and, and so, I mean, obviously you talked about mentality. That sort of, okay, well, now I've got to take advantage of opportunities, right? That had to be a motivating factor for you, right? Yeah,
1: you know, when I was in the ICU, you know, when you're in that situation when uh, you're told, hey, it looks, look, looks like you're not going to make it. Hmm. You know, you re- it really comes down to what's the most important thing. You know, and of course, God and my family were number one and two. Um, but to be quite frank, the number three thing that came up in my heart, in my mind, was being outside on a mm-hmm. bike or running. Like that's how much I love it. And so, uh, it's, because I survived, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go and do those things that uh, I've always wanted to do: mm-hmm. in a force
0: somewhere. So. Wow. And and as you towed the line for that for that first race, do you remember what was going through your head?
1: <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't. <laughs> I hope I don't crash and take other people down. <laughs> down you know, cause it was like this group start, you know, and I hadn't yeah. done a race like that before. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid because I'd heard stories, you know, somebody, you know, just like goes down and then they take all these people. Mm-hmm. From. I, I, I started setting myself at the back of my race to mm-hmm. so relieve that fear, mm-hmm. you know, and just uh, so I could relax and get in my comfort zone. Yep. I was so excited.
0: I bet. Man. I bet. And how did it play out? How How was that first race for you, that Lutzen 99er?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was the only time that I've ever flatted on a race.
0: Oh, no kidding. So, yeah,
1: I got a pinch flat on a rock. Oh. And, uh, through, but uh, there happened to be uh, a course bike stand there that the race director had uh, allowed on the course, and uh, it happened right by them. So oh. they, they fixed it, boom, and I was back on my bike. So
0: That's great. Scared. Yeah. And uh, and so once you overcame that, it must have just felt like you were flying. I mean, this amazing. I- I can imagine. Had you set a goal for yourself uh, in terms of the time?
1: No, and I was actually getting coached at the time, you know, for Leadville, so mm-hmm. it was just, hey, just just make the cutoff. Mm-hmm. So that
0: was really my goal. Yeah. And so you all achieved that, I would just expect. I achieved it, yeah. That's, that's great. And so three months later, you went to Leadville, is that right? Like a month later. <laughs> a month later. I went a
1: few weeks early to try to acclimate a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to do that elevation up there, mm-hmm. uh, which I found out I didn't do that well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but
1: that's okay. Uh, yeah, on to Leadville
0: five months month later. And, and so what was the sort of preparation other than that acclimation? What kind of things did you do to Improve your performance and be ready for Leadville.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so in addition to, I should say, following my coach's plan and and just riding, training up to century rides. Mm -hmm. Ironically, actually, Luton was my very first century ride. Wow. I did a little bit of recovery and then I tried to stage up. You know, I stayed in Denver, then I went up to Frisco and then I went Mm up to Leadville. I uh, drank a lot of water, you know, and things like that. But uh, I got to be honest, man, I was a newbie through and through. So wow. I didn't really know
0: what I was doing. And, and that was 2009? 2012. 2012, you did Leadville and, yeah. and Lutzen. So um, when you got to that line, was it a bigger race field? Than at uh, Lutzen?
1: Yeah, it was, you know, and uh, it was more intimidating, you know, because you knew Mm -hmm. some people that are just there's pro writers. Mm -hmm. Armstrong was actually the guest speaker that year, uh, and he had ridden it, so I was like, you know, kind of, I didn't really know what I'd gotten myself into. Mm -hmm. But uh, just the thought, just the idea of writing, you know, up mountains mm-hmm.
2: the forest,
0: you know, it was just so inviting. I just couldn't resist. That's great. And did, did everyone start together there? Did, did all the grace groups start together or were you, did you have different starts? We had
1: corrals. Yeah. You did. Okay. Very back in the white mm-hmm. <laughs> Back there with everybody who
0: was <laughs> <laughs> You're in good company.
1: I was in really good company.
0: And, and so how did that race play out for you?
1: Actually, uh, so I, we got up the first, uh, Portion of it, and I ended up helping a rider. He uh, had flat, he looked like a pro, you know, Mm -hmm. dressed like a pro. And so he was like, Hey, shouting out to other riders, you know, can anybody help me? And I stopped, you know, I said, Hey, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And I had CO2 cartridges and all that. So I actually gave him my stuff. I waited for him to get up and get going. Uh, and then I and then I missed the very first the cutoff off at Twin like.
0: Oh no! <laughs> I mean, Shoot!
1: Right? And I was like, oh gosh. So I was like, well, how should I? You know, miss by in, like seven minutes.
0: Oh, um, no good deed and, goes unpunished, right? <laughs> 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 so t- my <laughs> path, but,
1: but yeah, you know what? So I left, and you know, I had to ride all the way back to the start line. Oh and, man! Um, and I got actually got a little bit lost. Cause at one time during a race, I got lost. Um, but uh, issues after the race. But anyway, so I got I came back to Minnesota, and I was like. I know
2: I
0: can
1: do this hmm. I feel it you know and I want to do this you know so I went back and did it again and I got a
0: buckle so that's exciting yeah. that's exciting and I had to feel really good to finish especially after having had the opportunity to do that the year prior so good was yeah. it the same was it the next year was it 2013 then that you went back and got your got your buckle let uh,
2: think about that for a second uh, 13 yep and then if, or was it
1: 14 and 15 I, I got buckles two, two years in a row mm-hmm. and then I actually scratched I purposely scratched uh, about eight miles from the finish line in 16 because I, <laughs> I ended up with pulmonary edema. Oh man. So bad. I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Wow, you know, your life, your your health isn't worth one race. Yeah, so I just pulled out and hmm. actually have not regretted it. So
0: That's good. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean obviously you can't you don't want to push something like that. Yeah. You've yeah. Uh, your body has given you some significant challenges. in your pursuit of the finish line so many
1: times it reminds me you know it reminds me hey you know what Um, yeah there's some challenges here to overcome Mm -hmm. and are you willing to work with us yeah "Yeah, let's do this you know what do I need to do you know I had surgery six months before uh, my last race Hmm. at the Mayo Clinic and and they were like hey you need a race and I was like yeah
0: wow (laughs) and did the doctors ever say you know Bonnie you should probably sit this one out Oh, many times.
1: Uh, Like a couple... couple of weeks actually before the tour died last year, uh, I got two annular fissures in my back and mm. i went to the doctor and they're like, There's no way you can race, you know, and I was like, Hey, I totally get that, you know, and I see that, you know, but can I get a second opinion?
2: <laughs> so I got <went>, a <laughs> so second
1: opinion and the gal was the gal was like the doctor. She was like, Hey, you know what, my, my husband's a thirteen times Iron Man. She's like, I understand your mentality. Mm. She's like, I know that your pain threshold is wicked high and because it's not time to do surgery, go do that race. Mm. I was like Let's
0: do it, so. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. And so as you think about these races in the context of those other things and I know you've recently had some challenges with your knees and things like that. I mean, how does how do you balance that need for recovery and to heal your body versus the need to be on the bike and outside? Yeah.
1: It's not always easy, right? I bet. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, Every year I should say actually I go into the tour divide knowing I'm not I'm not technically ready mm-hmm. my body is not technically ready but because of the types of conditions and issues that I deal with I will never be technically ready but mentally I'm always ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, I would go and do it today if I could. Yeah. You know? So it's not about you know so much physically. Are you ready? You know, it's in your heart and in your mind. Mm-hmm. You
0: ready. And I gotta believe that you have a fairly high level of understanding of your body, right? Absolutely. I mean, after all the things you've experienced, you must really know the signals your body's giving you.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. That's, and I think that's imperative too. You know, without that, I, w- I would actually not be alive. You know, And that's kind of a different story, but uh, because I am so in tune with my body, I know when something's wrong, and I know when I can push through something
0: like mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, whenever my body says this is dumb, I just quit. <laughs> like, okay. That sounds good. <laughs> so I probably don't have that push through mentality that I, that I would need to be an ultra endurance athlete. Uh, if you're just joining us, you're listening to blast beats and bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN McAllister college radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're here with Bonnie Gayon, and we're talking about all things, ultra endurance cycling. Um, Bonnie has competed in multiple iterations of the tour divide and and is coming up on that again, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in in a minute, Bonnie. I'm curious though. There's you know the, what you've been talking about a lot is the mentality, the mindset that it takes. It seems like there's got to be a really intense focus to get ready for an event, and all of the ultra endurance athletes that I have met along the way seem like they just are able to laser focus on on the task at hand. Talk a little bit about how that plays out with you. I mean, do you feel like you have that laser vision? Yeah. Yeah,
1: every athlete's different, you know, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that every athlete has a different strong point you know, mm-hmm. some of the athletes that do the tour divide you know, they've been training for two years they're mm-hmm. a professional coach they that's all they do you know maybe they, they don't even work or some of them work you know and then they're just like every moment is spent on the bike mm-hmm. you know but i mean i'm a mom you know i have four kids you know that and uh now now they're all adults i got one left at home but, uh, <laughs> but i've had to have balance you know but for me you know my thing is passion right so um, I'm focused on it because I'm so passionate about the tour I, I love that race I love the people I love you know the opportunity that it brings I love the experience of it so um, yeah like usually three days within the first three days after the race I'm like oh, I'm never doing that again that,
0: <laughs> that a, was the I, dumbest thing that ever was,
1: that's insane <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, really I'm like, okay, so next time my bike set going to be this, you know? So it's just that passion that drives me, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah.
0: Do you have a particular distance now? So going from a one-day, 100-mile ride to, you know, multiple days along a thousands-of-mile route, do you have a preferred distance? Is tour divide kind of your thing now? Or do you still like those quote-unquote short races? Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what? To be honest, the short races kick my butt. Yeah, so you gotta be like you like we were talking earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like an all-out thing for some of the distances, right. and because of my lung damage, I can't do that. Right. Um, so I've just found with the Tour Divide that I'm able to push hard enough, but pace slow enough just to stay uh, right where I can uh, uh, kind of hang in there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times out the, out there where I just gotta stop because my lungs are hurting and my heart's dropped. Drop, you know, having a bit of a problem, but uh, but I gotta say. I would prefer to do the Tour Divide
2: every year yeah. over all the other
0: races. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the tour itself to explain to people who don't know what the Tour Divide is all about.
1: Yeah, so 2,745 miles, uh, about Uh, depends on, you know, Mm -hmm. for fires and all that, but it's bike packing race. Uh, and what that essentially means is that you're carrying all your own gear. So I've got, uh, my tent, my sleeping bag, my food, you know, everything I need for any mechanical issues, Mm -hmm. uh, on the bike with me. And for the tour divide, nobody can help you. So it's self-supported, you know, so you've got to go out there and if you run into trouble, you need to, you know, it's kind of like like Mm self-rescue. Uh, there are instances along the route where you know there's what's called trail angels, people that you know for older racers they just like leave water, you know, okay. they water, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then the racers are allowed to solicit commercial entities. You know, like if the route drops us through a town, like say Butte, Montana, uh, we can all go to you know a motel if we so uh, choose to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, in most of the routes, you know, road, most of the route is off road and it's just a lot of you know double track and dirt roads and.
0: Tons of climbing. Mm -hmm. And it starts in uh, Canada. Yeah, Band Canada. And goes all the way to basically the US Mexico border, right? Right, Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Antelope Wells. Wow. And so multiple days. Do you need to do the whole route from start to finish at the same time? So basically in one effort? Or can you stop and like go back to work for a couple days and then go back uh, on the trail?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Ideally, you're going to do it in one shot. Sure. If you want to be a racer, right? Mm-hmm. You do have a couple of friends who have left the course, mm-hmm. uh, but that time is still counting against them. Right. One left for a wedding, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, one left for a work thing and then came back, and you have to start, you have to enter the route exactly where you left off. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what happens is, to be a, considered an official finish, finisher, you have to finish under a certain time segment. Right. Uh, and also, uh, you have to have so many miles in on average per day. Okay. So with, if you were to lead the route like they did, you know uh, now your miles per day is, is diminishing. So right. you might become uh, delegated as a tour instead. Sure. And you'll still show as a finisher of the race beyond you know 30 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but
0: you might be relegated as a tourist. Yeah. Thing, so. so thirty days is the is the cutoff for women. Is that what you said? Yeah,
1: it's kind of about thirty days. Mm-hmm. And for
0: men, it's about twenty five days. So thirty days, twenty seven hundred miles. That's almost hundred miles a day. Yes. Wow. And so how do you how do you pace out? How do you plan that route? I
1: have no idea. You know, you just give it your best, right? Yeah. So you just hope, like for me, anyways. I hope to make it about 110 miles a day. That's kind of like in the back of my head, mm-hmm. you know. And but weather, you know, is a huge uh, determining factor. You know, uh, it could if we have rainstorms in certain areas, like we did this last year, uh, it could turn you know the road surface into peanut butter mud. Like, mm-hmm. You know, some people have we might have to like actually set up camp because the roads are impassable. Wow. You know, so. But yeah, I uh, I hope for 110, you know, and I just give it my best, and, and I'm just grateful for whatever I accomplish that day. So.
0: And as you think about that that trip, then are you planning it out in terms of this is the place where I want to stay? There's a campground that I want to stay at, or this is a milestone that I want to reach, or so are you changing your mileage give or take based on the the terrain and where you're where you're headed? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of racers do do that, uh, but because of my physical limitations mm-hmm. and illnesses that I still contend with, uh, again, I just like I just go as far as I can. Mm-hmm. One of the things that actually did help me a lot was this last year, and then going forward, I decided, um, if at all possible, I'm not going to stay at, in at like a motel. Mm. I'm going to camp. So, uh, it, because I decided to do that, it helped me push beyond those areas. Those areas, like, are probably the biggest time suck that you could come across. Yeah. Because now you, oh, I'm going to go to this motel. Oh, I could, probably could have ridden a couple hours more. Right. And I'm going to resupply. Oh, in the morning, I think I'll get some breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to shave off, I think it was seven days or something between... Uh, No, 11 days between uh, 2016 and this last year. Wow. Uh, That was one of the reasons why. You know, I Hmm. just got rid of that comfort zone. Mm hmm
0: Have you run into any, like, major issues mechanically or otherwise while you've been out on the Tour Divide?
1: Oh, man. Thankfully, I never have. Wow. um, But, like... I know a couple people have, but it's nice because the uh, the overall percentage of racers and finishers alike have not had issues like that. You know, the issues come up. You know, for me, it's the wildlife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, that's got to be a concern, right? Yeah. There are bears. In those areas, yeah, right?
1: And a lot of people, uh, you know, aren't afraid of the bears. You know, for some reason, I uh, have some concerns about the bears. <laughs>
2: some, some
1: racers actually finish the race with no sightings. Uh, every year, I see bears multiple times. Hmm. Uh, I've been stalked by a mountain lion. Oh boy. I've been attacked by uh, a rattlesnake. You know, so. Yikes. Yeah, so uh, for some reason, you know, even though it's beautiful and I think wildlife's amazing, I'm always a little, you know, a little bit, yeah. It, concerned
0: about that <laughs> and and you're generally expected to not be around other cyclists right or at least not draft or take right. take assistance from other other racers right
1: yeah no drafting allowed yes yeah, so we will have gps trackers so you can see you know that the race director does actually watch and watch for that mm-hmm. uh, and you know a lot of uh, a lot of racers are we're going to be spread out i mean the the, the ride leaders you know the the top finishers they're probably going to finish you know in under you know 16 days you know right wow. there. You know, I'm more back at the packer mm-hmm. I'm going to be cutting that close to the 30 days you know? <laughs> so yeah we're spread out over 2745 miles um, some people do kind of ride together and then race drastically the race director, director actually encourages that, hmm. uh, through bear territory, just kind uh, sure. of safety. Thing. Yep. So if you can, you know, kind of be in closer proximity to somebody. Sure. A good thing.
0: Yeah. So do you, I mean, I know there's the grand depart in Banff. Do you sort of talk with other participants about, Hey, you know, we're sort of going to be together during the race. Let's kind of navigate that together.
1: Uh, not really actually. Uh, I know some racers do that, and they and I end up getting a lot of private messages about that, you know, and a lot of, most of it's like, hey, I wish I didn't do that, because mm. you're only as fast as your slowest person, sure. and every day it could be somebody different for some right. different reason, um, but I like to say, hey, you know, we're going to start together, we're definitely going to see each other out there, like Cal Russell, he's like this seven-year-old awesome guy, he's finished the race like seven times, you know, wow. but I, I would see him every day, you know, and uh, but maybe for 10 minutes mm-hmm. so that I love that, you know, cause, um, uh, it's motivating, it's inspiring. Sure. And you're not alone. Um, but yet I'm not holding him back. He's not holding me. Mm-hmm. back. You
0: know? So, yeah. And so as you prepare there, there are, aren't that many rules, but there are a handful and they're pretty strict about them. Are there some things that you particularly pay attention to, to know, you know, okay, this is, these are some things I have to be worried about during this race.
1: Uh, not really, you know. I mean, the first year, yes, because I'd never done the race before, sure. you know. And I, this, I'd caught up to this racer from Germany. His name's Dieter. and like he would kind of like be talking to me, and he would get close to me, and I was so terrified. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, the race <laughs> director's gonna think we're drafting me you know, like, right on the other side of the road. And he, would, he, he would, you know, he wouldn't. He'd be like, he's not gonna think we're. I'm like, yeah, never know. You know. That's um, funny. You
0: know, I was a <laughs> <laughs> and and you're you talked about it being self supported. Talk about all of the things that n- normal bike riders don't have to carry with them that you have to bring along. Yeah.
1: So for me, I I do bring a one man tent. You know, Mm -hmm. some people bring a bivy, you know, because they just like it's fast, it's small, it's light. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a little bit claustrophobic and like some breathing space, so I've got a one-man tent. It's a Big Agnes Platinum Fly Creek UL1, Mm -hmm. so it tapers to my feet. Um, But it's still pretty small. I can sit up, but there's not much else I I can do. Mm -hmm. I bring a a Western Mountaineering Summer Light uh, sleeping bag. It goes down to 30, and I've got a liner for that as well. Uh, and then, yeah, I've just got two feed bags, just packed full of food. I've got, uh, you know, some cages on my fork with extra water in there. Uh, I don't have a change of clothes. What I'm wearing hmm. is what I'm finishing in, you know. Wow. I've got layers of jackets and sure. rain pants yep. and and maybe one extra pair of socks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got lights, I've got chargers, you know, and, of course, I've got my GPX, mm-hmm. you know, so I know which way to go. It's helpful. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, that's about it. And that's wow. all that I can carry. That's
0: pretty lean. <laughs> Yeah. and how much how much food are you carrying with you I mean what's your how many days worth of food do you have with you at any given time
1: yeah well I try to always carry one full day or a little bit more than that I've, I've, every year I've run out of food hmm. amazing how much food <laughs> you can eat out <laughs>
0: yeah before. I can only oh, imagine get longer, you it's know, a little bit of work
1: <laughs> yeah so I try to you know because I'm slower right so the faster racers they don't have to carry as much because right. I'm going to be zooming through this area but I know hey I might have a couple of days out there where I don't need to get to resupply mm-hmm. and so I've got to carry enough to get through you know day and a half or whatever so about a day's worth
0: of water and you know there's all kinds of performance fuel type foods that you could bring along with you but i gotta believe that in the middle of montana you're not going to come across a lot of reis that have a full selection of gels and goo and all that kind of stuff right so uh, what's your diet like yeah
1: I think one of the number one uh, foods that you're gonna find out there is gonna be Subway sandwiches. You know, like will like I'll go into Subway and I'll order two foot longs mm-hmm. and literally smash them down so they'll fit, right? Huh? <laughs> right.
2: right.
1: <laughs> 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 and then <laughs> and then from these frozen burritos, right? You know, because I buy it frozen, I know by the next morning it's you know,
0: gonna be thawed and yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah you're good to go. So, that's uh, great. And
1: then of course, you know, we're all we all have to have candy bars. Got to have that. So yeah.
0: You know, Wow. So you're not necessarily worried about the you know, ultimate like super health conscious type food. You're just trying to get calories. No, no,
1: there's kind of a running joke where we do it for the junk food. We have the one time in our
0: lives, you can
2: pack down as many Oreos chips
1: as
0: you want. Right. How many footlongs can I fit in this six inch area, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what other kinds of mechanical uh, equipment do you bring along with you? I mean, are you carrying a spare derailleur hanger and things like that that can break?
1: Yeah, just in case. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, the one year I didn't carry the spare derailleur was when I had a roll-off, you know, because it's all internally
2: happening.
1: Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I'll bring a derailleur. Obviously, I'm going to bring, like, a food. I'm going to bring, you know, a, like a chain breaker, chain links, mm-hmm. you know, spare tubes in case, you know, maybe if I can fit goo. Not goo, but if I can fit some uh, stand sealer or something, mm-hmm. you know. i uh, got a pump, you know, things like that.
0: So. Yeah. So yeah. you're really carrying just kind of an, ex- an overly large, you know, road... Type of multi tool. Basically, you're not carrying a lot of extra stuff. Exactly. Right. Yeah,
1: where are you going
0: to put it? Right. You know? Right. Because so. all that stuff has weight.
1: Exactly, and, and it requires space. Yeah. So, and I write a, a size small, medium, so I don't mm. have a
0: lot of frame space. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing. How do you how do you de- develop your packing strategy? I mean, where do you carry stuff, and how did the, did that evolve over time? Yeah.
1: Totally. Like, I actually have a list that I follow now, you know, and then every year I just kind of perfect that list and scratch off things. that like, Okay, I didn't use that. Mm-hmm. I needed this time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I lay it all out on my floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time I lay it out, I'm like, I fit all this stuff, you know, impossible, you know. But like, even my sleeping bag packs down to the size of the Nalgene, right? So, my wow, bag, right? So, and the front, te- the tent that I have, same thing. So, hmm. I just, you know, you're able to, uh, like you said, perfect your list, mm-hmm. perfect where you're gonna put it. Uh, I practice. I like, I'll do a hundred mile, you know, ride out to, you know, beyond say, Cannon Falls and back. Mm-hmm. You know, but I might stop. Like at some point, I'll stop once, unpack everything, set up my tent, make sure I know where everything is. You Mm-hmm. put it in the same spot every year mm-hmm. there's a lot of practice and that saves so much time out there sure you know, especially in the dark yeah you don't
0: know where anything is <laughs> whenever I go on vacation it never fits back in the bag the way it was originally put in there right so how do you manage that I mean do you have issues with like stuff not fitting the way it should <laughs> you know
1: actually I do for me it, it, it's always New Mexico because now I need to add water you know, I oh sure for me I drink a lot of water mm-hmm. you know, because of my health issues but um I'll want to carry six to seven liters if possible, especially when there's spots where there's not uh, any water, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but the good thing is, is that I've now ditched my winter gloves, you know, from the Canadian section and the colder areas. And I've maybe ditched a jacket. Mm -hmm. I've also made some space. I'm just, you know, changing it.
0: Sure. Do you, when you say ditch, do you just leave it behind or do you mail it back to yourself?
1: Mail it back. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's, it's a fascinating thing to think about, you know, you're, you're racing, but you're sort of just camping along the way. I mean, it's a really interesting blend of being out in the wilderness for fun and trying to be as fast and efficient as possible. I mean, do you do you get a chance to stop and look around?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so to be faster, I, I love photography, right? I'm yeah. A, I'm just kind of a self-proclaimed, you know, photographer. But, uh, man, it's so tough to not stop because there's so much beauty out there. So I've got, you know, voice commands on my phone, so I'll just say like, capture, you know, to take a picture. But every night, I make a point after I set up, you know, my cam- my campsite, mm-hmm. uh, to turn off all my lights and mm-hmm. take in the vast, you know, stars. Mm-hmm. Just- you know yeah. uh, and a lot of those moments come they come so fast that i don't want to miss it you know mm-hmm. like uh every every year so far i've been riding along and it's usually like in new mexico and then like a herd of pronghorn will just come out of the, you know out of the peripheral and be running alongside me and it's just so surreal it's just like wow it's amazing wow just trying to really pay attention yeah and then i i usually bring a gopro i I'm not good at charging it, so I've
0: got, like, no footage, but <laughs> this year. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have solar chargers that you bring along, or how do you keep charged?
1: Yeah. So I actually carry an anchor battery. So okay. Like, yeah, it's, like, the 20,000. Yep. so that helps so much. A lot of people have, like, a dynamo hub, mm-hmm. and they've got, you know, uh, like, k light lights, so they're, mm-hmm. they're generating their own power and charging those lights. Uh, I'm not fast enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I mean, I know it's really slow. Yeah, the uh, average speed that you have to maintain in order to make that charge work. But I'm super slow, and I mm. push my bike a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I have so many uh, health issues, yep. whatever. So I just have a ton of uh, lithium batteries. Usually, you know, eight double A's, you know, six triple A's.
0: Mm-hmm. I've got that anchor there. Yeah. You know? So as you started out on that first tour divide you got through the first couple of days did, did you find that it got easier as you went along or were there times where it was it was tougher than others I mean what was that first ride yeah. like
1: it was like a honeymoon you know like I didn't know, I
0: was,
1: <laughs> you know anything you know and I didn't realize I was really slow like I mm-hmm. I, 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 cause I felt like I was giving it my all you sure know, yeah I did have a great day i like 63 miles this is gonna take me months to finish yeah you know so I, I actually learned during the course of that race you know and so about the halfway mark i actually got faster and faster and more efficient and my confidence and my understanding of the dynamics of that race began mm-hmm. to build you know so yeah
0: and and so as you think back now what were some of the key learnings that you had you know what were some of the key things that you took away from that first tour divide Just
1: you know, it really was coming to an understanding of the race I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't have gotten that for me any other way other than experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, just learning, you know, how to be efficient, you know, how to get resupply quickly, you know, uh, to go further, longer, faster if you could, mm-hmm. to ride into the night, you know, mm-hmm. to not be like, you gotta, re- every day, you gotta be out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like back then, I wasn't too sure, you know, or too concerned at what time to get up. I wake up at four twenty every morning, but no, it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. Usually I'm asleep by around midnight. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll, I know I'm gonna be exhausted out there. Mm-hmm. But that's where I make up my time. You know. Sure. So you learn about your body and how you, you respond. Mm-hmm. Which is huge. You know, you can read about it all day long. Right. And mostly we're gonna read about the the top finishers and how they did. And so you really don't have a good comparison, so mm-hmm. not until you get out there. And just listen to your body. You know, yeah. It's gonna to speak to you really loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how are, how are you pacing out the day? Are you going nonstop for that full 110 or whatever it is miles? Or are you sort of breaking it up into smaller chunks during the day?
1: Yeah, I, I used to carry the physical maps. So then like in, I would like look at, okay, well, at this mile marker, um, maybe have a resupply. Mm-hmm. And that. This last year was the first time I just said, you know, I've done this course a couple times. You know, and I'm just going to leave the maps behind so I really don't have the space because I had a full suspension last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to see how it goes. You know, mm-hmm. I always ride as far as I can, especially being a slower rider, mm-hmm. as far as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Really, it's until my body says, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can't go on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and as you look at your relative performance, you know, you I mean, you've, you've mentioned that you're not among the top finishers necessarily, but are, are you setting goals relative to those other racers or is it purely uh here's what I want to be able to accomplish this year for myself?
1: Yeah. Purely here's what I want to be able to accomplish for myself. You know, like how Russell, that gentleman I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you know, if you say, Hey, how, you know, what's your finish goal? He's And like, you know, he'll tell you, you know, I don't really have a date, you know, like day yep. I got 25 days or whatever. I just know I'm going to start and I'm going to finish. And I just don't know what's going to happen. You hmm. know, that, you know, and that's kind of like the mentality I've sort of adopted. Interesting. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, and so as you get out on the trail, how do you motivate yourself then? If you don't necessarily have a specific goal in mind, what's the metronome in your head telling you?
2: Yeah,
1: for me, it's seriously, it's nature just draws me. Yeah, I never like I know a lot of people struggle with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so long, so people actually get bored. Yeah. But for me, it's like I'm being pulled forward because I'm so excited to see what's next. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful, and every part of that trail is so unique, you know. And every year I've done it, since I'm going through at different times of the day, or mm-hmm. it looks different to me, you know. I see, oh, it's just so, it's so beautiful. I, I don't actually have a problem with motivation. I've never been out there and thought, man, I want to quit. Yeah, I never thought that.
0: Hmm. So, have you run into any severe weather problems along the way? Really?
1: (laughs) A couple years ago, a guy got struck struck by lightning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he woke up, like, in a bed and breakfast. You know, this guy from, uh, isn't it, Sunset, Seven. Wow. Yes, I've done. But, yeah, so, like, the the weather runs the gamut. You know, I've Mm -hmm. been in snowstorms. I've been in ice storms, you know, sleet, hail. I've started in, you know, 35 degrees and ended in 118 degrees.
3: Oh, jeez.
2: You
1: know, I've been in dry, wicked dry weather. You know, I've been in downpours where I, I literally was, like, can't go on you know i just can't it's too much mud i'm gonna you know it's gonna destroy my bike you know so i've been in everything you know wow
2: so
0: cool and
1: that's part of the fun yeah that's part
0: of the adventure yeah i I know you uh you mentioned when we talked earlier this week that you're not too much of a gearhead but you've you've obviously had to to figure out you know what works for you from a technology perspective right so what's your what's your bike like this year gonna be yeah
1: well i i actually i have a secret project going on oh so I that, yeah okay I I got it, but um we'll just say that um you know i've ridden uh like full suspension last year right yep. superfly 100 which is my ultimate favorite bike and i had an eagle 12 which i'll have again this coming june eagle 12 mm-hmm. uh, i do favor hydraulic brakes so mm-hmm. that's going to be on on the bike that i ride um uh i'll just say it might be a tie bike
2: Ooh.
1: cool and you know some dampening inside. yeah um my my new favorite thing also is to add the tri bars like from triathlon interesting yeah and have risers on there so that when i'm bending forward like sure fissures mm-hmm. just like it's like one motion with your hands and you're already in a more relaxed forward position yeah you know so but yeah i have got my i'm transferring my envy wheel set over Uh, so it's kind
0: of like the same thing I rode last year in a different frame so yeah that's great and so you talked about having a roll off uh, hub an internal gear hub Uh, was that your first year you rode that yeah no that was in
1: 17 okay and uh, man I think you know geometry for me plays a huge role in sure. how efficient I am yeah know? and I happen to have the roll off on a bike that I, the geometry wasn't a good fit for me mm. so and I could actually feel the weight and a lot of people who use watch yeah. will tell you that and feel a little bit of that weight and you know I just don't want that you know yeah especially because I know I'm slower, mm-hmm. I'm slower every advantage sure <laughs> so. yeah
0: and I, that weight is a trade off for you know less mechanical challenges right less to break exactly. theoretically exactly
1: um, so one reason why I love you know the Eagle 12 one so right so there's a little less chance you know my friend Josh uh you he actually's like you know, two by whatever or three by whatever mm-hmm. it works for him. Yeah, he's fast. You know, and he's a great mechanic. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that one by twelve is that enough of a, a gear ratio range? Yeah. That yeah, yeah. You know, you've probably got a forty on the back. I do. Yeah, I love it. It's like the
1: size of a frisbee. <laughs> <So>
0: that- <laughs> it's actually the spokes as well, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you had to become a pretty good mechanic in order to keep your bike running? I
2: should. I should do that. You know,
0: <laughs> so sad. There are a lot of shops give classes around town. <laughs> and
1: my shop does. You know, they do a great job. I, you know, I can fix a flat, right, and I can fix a chain. You know, I was thinking about this too before I came in. I was yep. like, what could I do? You know, uh, the derailleur will be a little tricky. Yeah. So hopefully I'll just get lucky. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, because you know, there's not a lot of things that could go wrong. Right. right. I mean, there really would come, there's maybe five, right? Yep. Um, so I can fix the majority of those mm-hmm.
2: things.
0: Other
1: than that, I can hitchhike all day long, <laughs> job, from
0: back in the course. Well, as, as long yeah. as you get back to the, to the same spot, right, where you need right. to be, uh, there's not really a penalty. I mean, there's a penalty obviously, but yeah. you know, you're not going to ru- ruin your chances yeah. if you can't take care of yourself. Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you, you ride tubeless. It sounds like from what you said earlier. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, uh, Especially like for New Mexico, there's a lot of cacti mm-hmm. and like little spurs and all that stuff. So you just sure. have to just plug that
0: up. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Did you did you start tubeless from the very first time you rode Tour Divide? Yeah,
1: yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. by the time I got back, man, my had rim was just beat to pieces. There were stickers, you know, all over the place. I didn't even know how the how it wasn't. I didn't have flats. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, I mean, that uh, that stands, you know, or whatever ceiling you use.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. that's great and so tour divide starts when this year june 12th june 12th mm-hmm. and so 27-ish days i'm guessing yeah set the goal
1: i hope you know got uh, knee surgery coming up mm-hmm. this, so it's gonna knock me back 25th back.
0: of this month yes yep
1: so it's gonna knock me back six weeks apparently wow but if i can eliminate at least that pain because that was my biggest believe it or not that was my biggest pain last june hmm. like this bright knee pain so if we can even Make that half of what it was, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that will make up for my, you know, deficiency. In
0: yeah. We'll, well, if you're not suffering with every pedal stroke, I gotta believe that's gonna feel a lot better yeah. and give you some more motivation. And so, what kind of a recovery are you looking at from the from the surgery? How long is it gonna take before you can get back on the bike? Yeah,
1: about six weeks. Is, you know? Yeah. Uh, it Depends on what they find. You know, when they go in there. Sure. Uh, so I know I've got some. Um, Osteoarthritis in there, mm-hmm. scar tissue, and then some meniscus issue, and then there's just like a cyst off to the side. Area. Wow! So <laughs> we are going to try to clean up all that, and hopefully that's all way fine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully I recover pretty well from that. Yeah. Six weeks, you know.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be tough. But at this point, you must be kind of WebMD, right? I mean, you've known <laughs> just about every doctor in Minnesota, right? So <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I had major surgery on my stomach maybe yeah. before the race. Got knee issues, back issues, you know. What? But you know what? That's right. okay. Right.
0: So, if any ultra endurance riders need a second opinion, you can you can give it, right? Good, good
1: <laughs> and, yeah, I'm so grateful to be out there. You know. Absolutely. you know, I, even though I have so many physical, you know, issues to overcome. I'm so delighted to be out there, and grateful that I can be out there. That it, that that gratitude is greater than the pain that I'm suffering with.
0: That's so. I mean, it's a an admirable way to, to think about it because in a lot of ways people could you know get down about those challenges and not be able to rise above them, and so you know being able to overcome that is, is a unique a unique thing. What uh, what are your goals for this year? What what do you want to achieve yeah. in this race?
1: Finishing would be awesome. Yep, you know, step I mean, one. Yeah, for sure. And I've kind of got that, uh, definitely taking on that Hal Russell mentality where it's like, you know, I all I know is I'm going to start and all I know I'm going to finish. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes along the way. If I was to pick a magic number, let's just say, mm-hmm. uh, it would be 26 days. Mm-hmm. I'd like to... I'd like to uh, you know, don't tell this is just between you and I yeah. don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> if we're not on the radio or anything. <laughs> right. There's a fifteen over lady, you know, ladies' record. Yeah. And I missed it by ten hours. I didn't know about it until I finished. I was like, Oh But um it would be nice to beat that. Yeah. Okay, so that would take me finishing, you know, just right at I think right at twenty seven days. Okay. I was like twenty seven days and five hours. Now it's twenty seven days and like, you know, twenty hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good a uh, good thing to shoot for. I mean, it certainly <laughs> give you that extra motivation to push a couple more miles each day, right? Totally, yeah. Exactly. And so you're doing Leadville again this year as well. Is that what I? Uh, yeah. Oh, you're not. Okay. So
2: said, yeah, I thought about going out there
1: um, <laughs> just to offer some support, you yeah, know, friends and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, I love doing that. You know, I I love actually crewing for people you know, mm-hmm. doing that a little bit more. Um, so because it's so exciting. Yeah. You know, and then I don't have
0: to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know obviously when you're carving out a month out of your out of your normal life quote unquote how do you um, work that through with your daily life
1: yeah that's a great question that's actually one of the most common questions that i get Mm -hmm. i used to work as a contractor you know so then that would be a stipulation of blood sure gone Mm -hmm. six weeks in the summer blah blah uh Unfortunately, fortunately, uh, I, I'm now a permanent employee. Mm. You know, I, I I work at a, a different company. I, I've been at Blue Cross for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm actually at one of their sister companies now, mm. and I just assumed I'm never going to get this off. Right? right? I wrongfully assumed because I again I got it approved, and I was like, wow, you know. So, but you know, it's a lot about. You have to decide, do I want to be a wicked strong rider Mm -hmm. and come away from other priorities? Mm -hmm. So it's about your balance for Mm -hmm. you. So for me, you know, luckily, you know, in a sense, my kids were older. Mm -hmm. My son's about to graduate high school. So now I can kind of selfishly, you know, turn turn that time over to more biking Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it it can be a struggle. I mean, I've gone five weeks with no training. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so you just have to decide what you're willing to accept mm-hmm. and be okay with
4: that. You yeah.
0: Don't be about it. Yep. Don't
1: complain to your spouse or whoever you've got. Right. On. Just be like, hey, this is what it is. I this mean,
0: is what it takes to do what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that you do with the bike outside of training for the tour? I mean, do you just ride your bike for fun ever? Oh, or would, do you just well, put it away?
1: I mean, yeah. Like, that's my thing. Like, I actually really love single track. I
0: so you and me both.
1: You know, you know, but I'm better if I can follow somebody's Yeah. Because then I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of get the dynamics. Sure. But, but that's actually how I fell in love with riding off-road was, you know, so one day I was like, how am just going to go to this Lebanon Hills place? Mm-hmm. I in there, and I took that Target bike in there. Yep. And I was like, this is the most scariest, dangerous, horrible thing I've ever <laughs> in my life. You know? Oh, my gosh. But, but I wanted to do better. So I came back the next day with myself, and I was like, wow. You know, look around. You get to ride. Yeah. It's a beautiful atmosphere. You know,
0: so. There, there's something special about being out in the woods on a bike, and whether it's gravel out in you know, or if it's you know in a single track environment like Lebanon, yeah. it's uh, it's really cool. Oh, good. Yes, yeah,
1: so I ride my bike. I think every time I ride my bike, I, I feel, I feel like I'm riding it for fun. Every time I get my bike, I. I'm smiling, you know, every time, you know? I mean, am I out there suffering sometimes? Of course, right? But you can ask. I think anybody who's ever ridden with me, and they'll be like, yeah, she
0: smiles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're riding your bike. I mean, how, what, how much worse could it be, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're suffering, just go a little slower. Yeah, after, you know? that's right. That's right. What What would you like to do with your, quote-unquote, career as an ultra-endurance cyclist? I mean, where do you go from from here?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a couple things like uh, I'm working on, and this is slow going, but maybe a kids uh, bikepacking packing, class, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. program. And mm-hmm. I've uh, been in touch with other people, actually in different states, and we're looking at that. You know, how can we help the kids? get outside more Mm -hmm. can you imagine as a kid camping off your bike like unheard of from when I was right so that's one thing I really want to pursue and then uh, I'm actually helping to spearhead uh, the cycling team for Blue Cross Blue Shield nice Uh, trying to help get that going yeah Uh, so yeah things like that Mm -hmm. and I think probably the most the most rewarding thing is just, even if you could just inspire one person, mm-hmm. and just get on their bike, right? It, like, I've had people who are like, I haven't ridden a bike in years, and because <laughs> of you, I rode down the block. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, if you can inspire one person, mm-hmm. like, that's an opportunity uh, of a lifetime.
0: Absolutely. You know?
1: Yeah. You always aspire to do that.
0: Do so, you have other race cool. adventures that you want to be able to take?
1: Actually, yeah. I there's a thing called the Triple Crown. Okay. What the Triple Crown is is completing the Tour Divide, mm-hmm. the Arizona Trail Race, and the Colorado Trail Race all in the same year. Wow. You know, that's amazing, right? Um so I'd hope I'm hoping to someday do each uh, of the uh, do the other two mm-hmm. and then maybe at some point put that all together in a year and complete the Triple Crown. Um, I'd like to go back and finish Arrowhead because mm-hmm. I, I DNF'd on my one time that I tried, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe the Arctic At The Cut. you I say it
0: <laughs> 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 Yeah. Wow. Have you done other winter uh, endurance rides besides the Arrowhead?
1: Yeah, I did uh, the Tescobial 160 Okay, mm-hmm. that was that was in 2015? I actually ended up with frostbite. Oh no! Uh, in my nostril, in my earlobe. Oh my nose, man! And some toes. Um, and. But you know what? It was a great experience. Uh, I had a blast. It was beautiful. <laughs> you know, but- it
0: sounds like a ton of fun. <laughs> 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 so your nose <laughs> falls off and your ears in half, and <laughs> other than that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then it's just a couple of short stories so I've done.
1: Mm-hmm. Some
2: stuff, but I
1: really like the long stuff. You
0: know, yeah, clearly. And so, you know, do you think you've you've got this 50 plus women's goal sort of in the back of your mind? Are there other, I mean, do you imagine yourself doing these things for the rest of your life?
1: Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, it's not about the race it's like a, as a race it's about the experience you know sure and so if there's opportunity to go out and do super long you know races or even just super long rides mm-hmm. you know, talk with a few of us, the veterans of the Tour Divide we're thinking about doing a ride where it's just it's not actually a race on the Tour Divide it's actually a tour of the Tour Divide for hmm. the veterans which would be so cool yeah you know, but yeah I mean I love bike like I love riding bikes and you know so I hope to do that mm-hmm. and do trail running the rest of my life
0: that's fantastic And and what advice do you give to aspiring endurance cyclists. Yeah,
1: who might want to do yeah, Right. You know, it's like, it's kind of like anything else in life. You know, figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we we identify with some people, we want to be like them, mm-hmm. There are our heroes in cycling or while they're doing something exciting, but you are somebody so unique. Mm-hmm. You know, so go and figure that out on your own. Just go and do it, you know, and learn about you. You, mm-hmm. know, you don't have to sign for every race. You don't have to know all the right people. You know, just go and try it. You know, reach out to people like me. It's sure. Kind of, you know, what do you recommend? You know, as for what kind of bike should I ride or what kind of setup or what kind of, you know, gear should I bring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, man, I'm right here. I'm here yeah. to help anytime. So just do it.
0: That's great. Are there specific websites or maybe even particular races that you recommend to beginners as great things to, to start with?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um... I don't know. I kind of made a leap from, <laughs> really, you, know, you know, there's no particular race I would say to go and do in preparation for the tour de Yeah. I would just say, load up your bike. And go somewhere where you can go and, and make camp. Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: if to
1: make a national forest, you know, or even if it's like here at Twin Cities. Sure. Just go bike somewhere. Go to
0: a Hennepin County park yeah. and, yeah.
1: Just set up your stuff and, you know, don't allow yourself to use outside services that wouldn't be available. Right. So no Dairy Queen? Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I <laughs> thought <laughs> I that's the been, point. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it was, a in right <laughs> it was. But uh, yeah, so just go test, test it out. But have fun no matter what. You know, that's what it's all about. Why are you out there if
0: you're not having a good time? That's what it's about. Yeah. Well, Bonnie, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm so glad you came into the show today. Thank you so much, Jason. Absolutely. You've been listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota.
2: Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle.
4: I want to ride my White. Say bye. I say white, say I say bite, say shark, I say him and George was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. Say Rose, I say Royce, say God. give me a, a choice, choice. Say Lord. I say Christ. I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein or Superman. Everyone and welcome to live from Garth's living room. Uh, I'm Sophie, and so we're here kicking off a new semester um,
1: with some live bands. Uh, our first band this semester is called Rebecca. They're a jazz band. Um, I think mostly made of Mac grads, um, so that's really cool to have them come back and play for us here. They'll be on at 3 p.m. But in the meantime. I'll be playing just some local music. Um, it's actually the Live from Garth's Players from last semester, which had all of the people that we had come in and play first live last semester. Um, and then I'll by next week, I'll update it and make a new one with all the, the bands that we have on the schedule for this semester. But yeah, stay
4: tuned for live music. And then in the meantime, um, just some local music for you to listen
2: to.